This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where temperatures plummeted into the 40s overnight and summer is officially done. Another day, another gun bill. This time, it's a proposal to prohibit domestic abusers from possessing firearms. Turns out domestic violence is at the heart of more than half the mass shootings in America. Bill Galvano's MCOR law mandating the construction of three new toll roads to the heart of Florida is getting bad reviews out in the real world. But here in the capital bubble, he's already working on the follow-up, MCOR 2.0. The Hillsborough County Sheriff is counting on boys to men and some Super Bowl trophies to raise coin for his re-election. After more than 30 years on the scene of the state capitol, Jeb Bush's former communications director is starting her own PR firm. Alia Faraz Johnson is our guest in the studio today. We'll talk to her about crisis management in the modern media landscape. We'll also have details from today's calendar of events in the political realm and an update on the Florida man who opened fire on his own brother after they got into a fight over the Bible. And now the top stories for Sunrise on Friday, November 1st. Another gun bill has been added to the hopper for the upcoming legislative session. Senator Lori Berman of Delray Beach and Representative Anna Eskimani of Orlando have filed legislation that would keep guns out of the hands of domestic abusers. Berman says most of the mass shootings in this country over the past decade involve a shooter who was targeting a former partner or family member. Eskimani says an average of 52 women are shot and killed by an intimate partner every month. The National Partnership for Women and Families says the U.S. is the most dangerous country in the developed world for gun violence against women. Identical legislation was filed last year, but never got a hearing in the House or the Senate. Earlier this year, Senate President Bill Galvano used his clout to force a bill through the legislature creating three new highway corridors in Florida. It's called MCORs, Multi-Use Corridors of Regional Economic Significance. But as the planning process for the new toll roads continues, it's becoming clear that a lot of people think this is a terrible idea. Frank Jackalone with the Florida Sierra Club says Galvano's plan will lead to unchecked urban sprawl, destroying wildlife corridors and altering rural regions of the state until they resemble the gridlocked urban congestion found in coastal areas. The MCOR's plan being proposed that would create three road corridors of more than 300 miles in total of new toll roads, but that are not really intended for hurricane evacuation. You know, that is a false argument. When you hear Senator Galvano and others talk in the Chamber of Commerce, clearly they see those roads as a means to economic growth. And what does that mean? It means sprawl. And the horror, the nightmare ahead, is that development, that growth, will convert the central part of the state and the remaining natural areas into a mirror image of the coastal areas of Florida. The Florida that we know and that we still enjoy will be gone. Seems like there is a real, there's a conscious decision by state leaders with developers and development interests to move this forward without even thinking about what the consequences are. If you continue to bring more people in and you bulldoze the center of the state, then you are going to pollute our water even more and you're going to be bringing more and more emissions into the state that will fuel climate change. All of these things are connected. Senator Galvano is not phased by this sort of talk. He insists the roads will be needed to deal with future growth. Well, we have in this state 900 people moving here every day. We had, what, 175 million people visit here last year. The days of relying on a five-year plan are, are just, they're not realistic in a modern Florida. 
Uh, Florida, that's the 14th largest economy on the planet. And we are going to see, I think, going forward, whether it's uh, roadway infrastructure, uh, resilience infrastructure, water, sewer, the need to keep pace and to, to move forward. The uh, necessity for the, the roads is something that was investigated through the process and, and is continuing to, to be investigated. The reality is that, uh, as I mentioned, with the numbers that we have here in the state of Florida, the population growth, the uh, difficulties that we experienced during Hurricane Irma with the evacuations, uh, that these, these uh, corridors need to, uh, need to exist. And, and there is a, a history in, in some of the proposed corridors of analysis in the, in the past. And we have to live in a state and have to plan in a state for the future. We cannot continue just to remediate. We, we have to anticipate the future needs of this, this state. But Jackalone says that growth argument is bogus. He claims it's a self-fulfilling prophecy concocted by road builders, developers, and their allies in the legislature. Jackalone says the construction of those roads will encourage more development in the interiors and lure more people to the Sunshine State who might never otherwise have considered it. We need to cancel the toll roads plan. We need the legislature needs to defund the toll roads plan. And we need to put that money instead into redeveloping existing urban urban areas, put the money into mass transit, into redeveloping our schools, making our cities and our towns stronger, rather than inviting more sprawl. Road builders and developers are the most outspoken supporters of the MCORS plan, which is kind of like saying pigs are pro-slop. But some of the people working on the plans have their doubts. During a meeting of the Southwest Central Florida Connector Task Force in Lakeland earlier this week, some members questioned how they can weigh the project's goals of avoiding environmental harm without considering whether the toll roads should be built in the first place. The chairman told them to stop asking questions about whether the road was needed and concentrate on developing guidelines for where it should go. And Senate President Galvano has no intention of backing down. In fact, he's working on MCORS 2.0, which would ensure the state also builds the infrastructure for water supplies and broadband Internet along those new highway corridors. The sheriff of Hillsborough County is hoping a boy band that is all grown up now and maybe some Super Bowl trophies will mean big bucks for his re-election campaign. Sheriff Chad Chronister is holding a campaign fundraiser that includes a performance by Boys to Men, an R&B and hip-hop vocal group from Philadelphia that's been around since 1988. Former San Francisco 49ers owner Eddie DeBartolo will also be attending, and he's bringing his five, yes, five Super Bowl trophies. Now, if you donate $50,000 to the sheriff's campaign, you get 12 tickets to the event, a photo with DeBartolo and the trophy, a photo with Boys to Men, and a chance to hobnob with a candidate and his guests in the VIP section. That happens tonight at 6 at Eddie V's in Tampa. Next up on Sunrise, a conversation with Alia Faraj Johnson about public relations, damage control, and doing business in a mixed-up media environment. But first, let's get down to business. Predicted is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock and companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to when and if the House will vote to impeach and how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Sunrise listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. Next up on Sunrise, a conversation with a dear friend who used to be a colleague and went over to the dark side some time ago. Alia Faraz Johnson was a reporter when I first met her back with Capital News Service. It was in the 90s or was it late 80s? 80s. 
80s. Oh, my gosh. And since then, she has morphed. She's gone on to work for Jeb Bush as his communications director, his press secretary. Then after the Bush administration, she went into PR and is now hanging out her own shingle. Tell us about that, Alia. Hi, Rick. Thanks for having me on the program. Uh, yes, I decided it was finally time to launch my own public affairs, public relations agency. And so I uh, started Alia Strategic Group and the response has been overwhelming and I'm just flattered. And we talk about public relations all the time, but this is a very specific type of public relations. You spend a lot of your time putting out fires. I do. I do. Um, over the years, I've honed my skills on crisis clients and you know, it's it's a different way of approaching a problem. They're usually organizations or corporations um, that are dealing with some high-profile issues. And it is at that time where, you know, organizations can panic and perhaps make the wrong decisions. And so when I work with them, it's it's about how we can be more transparent, how we can be responsive to the media. You have to respect the job the media has in covering an issue and closing the doors does not help. Yeah, it does tend to piss us off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and things I'm, get all the worse. We don't want an upset Rick Flag. No, no. Now, you've worked on some – what are some of the big crises that you've dealt with in the past? I have worked on environmental law issues. Um, you can call them crises. They're usually mistakes. And, you know, companies are trying their best to fix or address those issues. And, and you know, how you present the changes that you'll be making as an organization is really important to the public and to the media and, and keeping that openness. I've also worked on some unfortunate cases where uh, that involve deaths um, at mass casualties, at nursing homes, so, kind of thing. Yeah. So it, 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 you know, it, it can be very challenging and emotional because you know people are, are really stressed out, and you are really trying to keep them focused on the things that they need to do or not do. Working very closely with attorneys in those cases. What is the biggest mistake companies or politicians tend to make when it hits the fan? blocking the media. I think that it's extremely important that you frame your own story, getting the story out, whether it is a positive or a negative, out on your own terms is extremely important. It, it builds respect, the mutual respect. If you're not familiar with all of the members of the media, there is a, a one reporter that you can probably reach out to to discuss the elements of the story, and they absolutely understand what you can and can't say. But getting information out is key to the public and to the media. And, and doesn't the job of PR become even more involved now that there are so few members of the Capitol Press Corps? As the, the people covering state government that get fewer and fewer and fewer, there are fewer chances for them it, to actually get in your way. It really, really is challenging. It's, it's almost as though now you literally have to beg for stories to be covered. But if you make a mistake, believe me. <laughs> we'll be do, knocking on your door. You do not have to call members of the media. They will call you, which is fine. But again, it, it is becoming more difficult. And so I think packaging your story and, and really pushing the high-level points on how this affects the public, the people in Florida, I think that makes the difference in a story because every reporter wants to tell a story that affects the public and how it affects the public. How do you deal with the new media? For example, podcasts of this sort, things that were unheard of like 10, 15 years ago. But now there's this whole other group of people who are claiming to be journalists, and many of them are, but they're also coming from very skewed perspectives. They have an agenda. They have someone they work for that has 
shall we say, skin in the game. I think that what we end up doing on behalf of clients and what I do is you just have to do a lot of vetting. You have to look back and see what the coverage has been like. What do they report on? What don't they report on? You know, who funds them? And then you make a decision that is best for your clients. So that's where you allow the clients to also be part of that decision-making process. But you're right. Um, news is moving so quickly these days, and sometimes you could make a mistake and lose or miss an opportunity. So I, I think that vetting is the first thing that you need to do before you grant an interview, if you're not familiar with the organization. Okay. And before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you, what is your favorite story during your years of working with Jeb Bush when he was governor? There are so many stories, um, but I think the most the most impactful story to me is how he used to interact with children. I loved seeing this six foot three, six foot four man get on his knees to shake hands with kids in elementary school who didn't even know who he was, but who loved him because he was either reading a story or joking around with them. And that those are some of the most powerful memories I have of the governor. I have to agree with you there. One of my favorite memories is when Governor Bush came out to visit uh, my daughter's school at Raw middle school and the special ed class. And he got down on her, on his knees to shake her hand. And I still have that picture at home. That was really important to him, shaking hands with kids. He always wanted children to shake adults' hands. I thought it was a really important lesson that he left with the kids. All right. Any last thoughts you want to you know, leave with our listeners today? Uh, no, just very excited about the launch and uh, looking forward to working with uh, you know all of you during the upcoming session. Nah, we'll never work with you. Don't worry. You've been listening to Alia Faraz Johnson on Sunrise. On the political agenda today, the Florida State University Board of Trustees meets at 9 this morning in the Tallahassee Civic Center. The Duval County Legislative Delegation is holding a local bill public hearing as it prepares for the upcoming session. The meeting starts at 1 at Jacksonville City Hall. The Florida Education Association continues a bus tour focused on calling for increased education funding. That's at 1 p.m. at Hernando High School in Brooksville. Congressman Greg Stubbe is scheduled to speak during a Patriots dinner held by the Northport Republican Club. That's at 6 p.m. in Venice. House Speaker Jose Oliva and two future speakers will host a fundraiser for Naples Representative Byron Donalds on Sunday afternoon. Oliva will be joined by Speaker-designate Chris Sprouls and Representative Paul Renner for the event at Tallahassee's Proof Brewing Company beginning at 4 in the afternoon. Donalds was first elected to the House in 2016. His name's also been floated as a possible replacement for U.S. Representative Francis Rooney, who has announced that he will not be running for re-election in the 19th Congressional District. And time once again for the continuing adventures of Florida Man, who is still trying to figure out that passage about turning the other cheek. A 31-year-old Florida man has been arrested after getting into a fight with his brother over the Bible. Leon County deputies say Michael Dean and his brother were drinking when they got into a heated debate over the good book. After a short fight on the porch, investigators say Dean walked into the yard, pulled out a handgun, and told his brother to leave. Then Dean told his brother if he stepped off the porch, he would kill him. Deputies say Dean ended up firing several rounds into the ground near his brother's feet. He's charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, use of a firearm during a felony, criminal mischief, property damage, and harming a public servant or family member. By the way, deputies never did say what part of the Bible actually triggered that fight. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. We'll be back on Monday with a brand new edition. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee for Florida Politics.